1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Here's a good idea.
2: Have a point. It makes it so much more
0: interesting for the listener.
3: Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in with you for another hour. And uh, stick around at 10 o'clock this evening. We will certainly uh, be bringing you the best of Dave Glover. The Dave Glover Show. Rewind uh, from 10 until 11 p.m. Right here on Camo X. In the meantime, phone lines are open, 314 436 7900 for calls or texts. I got uh, a, a bunch of texts, but one in particular that I've received uh, uh, during the last half an hour or so is someone talking about that they agree that we don't need another NFL team, but wonders about what our political class will do with the settlement money or the settlement funds if the case settles. How will it be? How will it be divided up between the city and the county and uh, and the actual is the St. Louis Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority? That is a fantastic question. And at the top of the hour, I believe it was an hour ago, is it the it was eight o'clock break news break. Alex Dedman was talking about that very issue. And there was a story uh, where uh, St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones was interviewed about what happens. What happens if the case settles? What happens to that money? What are you going to spend that money on? And of course, Mayor Jones was noncommittal. You wouldn't expect her to already say, we're going to spend it like this, this, and this, since there has been no settlement yet. But the question is, what would be done with that money? And that is an excellent excellent question. Because we're talking about public entities, the, the money and how that money is used would have to be disclosed publicly because they're public funds. So it's not as if that money would go to some slush fund and we wouldn't know where it would go. It would have to be publicly disclosed in terms of what is done with the settlement money. Now the Rams have alleged rather say the city of St. Louis, the county of St. Louis, and the Convention Sports Authority complex, they have alleged damages amounting to about a billion dollars, but the punitive damages could go far higher, and that's what I really believe has gotten the attention of the NFL owners. That, and the fact that they they've been in bed with uh, Stan Cronkey and they're wondering why they're you know getting a sexually transmitted disease. I mean, that's to put it bluntly. Uh, they've been in bed with this guy. And now, uh, as was reported last week, Kroenke has reneged on his indemnification agreement to reimburse the other owners for their legal fees and potentially even damages from this litigation. And Stan Kroenke has threatened to sue the NFL. So, NFL, welcome to what St. Louis has known for a long time. is that you don't do business with Stan Cronky. Uh, You just don't. And they have. And uh, now they are going to reap the benefits of doing business with Stan Cronky. But listen, do you think, and and the the phrase that I coined was, uh, is that the NFL doesn't want to have the John Grudenification of of this litigation. What does that mean? Well, you remember John Gruden got fired. He had to resign, but he had to stop being a coach because of emails that came out from 10 years ago where he said things that were publicly uh, not acceptable. So he had to quit. If he hadn't quit, he would have been fired. What kind of emails, what kind of text messages do you think are right now locked and sealed in the Rams litigation that they wouldn't want released? I mean, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, for goodness sakes, was arrested in a massage parlor in Florida. What kind of text messages do you think are on that guy's phone? What kind of emails do you think that, that he and Jerry Jones have exchanged? Those guys are feel like they're above the law. They don't feel that the law applies to them. And I can, I can promise you that there are texts and emails that they do not want to see the light of day, just like John Gruden. So if this case does go to trial, those emails can be used as cross-examination to discredit uh, their testimony, to go to their credibility as witnesses, to challenge their credibility as witnesses. And folks, they don't want to have to put up with that. I promise you. I promise you. Now, some of these owners have already been deposed, and we learned last week that at least one of the owners gave a deposition that was extremely troubling to the NFL's defenses and Cronkey's defenses to the case. And that's all we know because the deposition transcript has been sealed. So we don't even know which owner testified and what he may have said in his deposition that could potentially torpedo any defenses that Kroenke NFL and the Rams have against the St. Louis litigation. But for all of those reasons, when you put it into a great big blender and hit puree, what comes out is large sums of money. That's what comes out. Because if the NFL has got anything in abundance other than hubris, it's money. And so if it just takes money to make this case go away, then they're going to come up with enough money to make the case go away. They're not going to take the risk of going to trial, the PR nightmare that would occur as a result of some of these texts and emails coming to the light of day, not to mention the fact that the owner's financial holdings would be disclosed and their net worth would be disclosed. They don't want that being disclosed to the public. Not a chance. So for all of those reasons, this case, I do believe, has an excellent chance of settling, but it won't settle. It I don't think it could settle until we're getting very close to January 10th, because that's when the pressure begins to mount. That's when settlement negotiations, and I'm telling you, speaking from experience, because this is what I do during the day, that's when settlement negotiations get hot and heavy. Now I'm sorry to say that in the same conversation that I'm talking about Robert Kraft, but that's the reality of the situation. So are we talking a billion dollars? Well, I think a billion has already been offered. So it would be something north of that or the NFL team. And that's what many of the national pundits have been discussing about the possibility of a team. You know, there's pros and cons. I just think we need a big pile of money. I think that's what we need to reimburse the city, reimburse the county, We could do the repairs for the what used to be the Edward Jones Dome to make it more amenable to conventions, to have an ongoing, lasting economic engine that isn't dependent on the NFL. Because they've burned us twice, folks, with the Cardinals and the Rams. And I don't want to be a sucker for the third time around. Hey, when we come back... We're going to talk to uh, Dan Stevens. He, uh, Dan Stevens is the president of Commerce Bank St. Louis. We're going to talk to him about the economic situation right now in St. Louis and how things are looking going into the fourth quarter and into 2022. We're going to talk about your finances here on At Your Service. Stick around.
0: Think
1: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: About, uh, think about all the issues that impact our local economy. It's, whether it's inflation, interest rates, supply chain issues political turmoil. There's a lot of that. International issues. And, and those are just those are just the issues that we know about. So to help us explain where we are financially in the greater St. Louis region, I reached out to Dan Stephen. He's the uh, president of Central Bank in St. Louis. That's Central Bank of St. Louis. Hey, uh, Dan Steven, welcome to Camo X.
4: Thank you for having me, Brad.
3: It's great to talk to you. And thanks for making time for us this evening. And, and Dan, let's start with the issue that impacts people most, inflation. My, my wife was at, at Walmart today buying hamburger, and it was literally twice as much as what we paid just uh, about a year ago. So this is something that we really haven't dealt with since the 1970s. We, we've all seen how everything costs more compared to what it cost earlier this year, and costs seem to just to continue to be going up. What are some of the causes of inflation?
4: Well, as you know, inflation arises in every aspect of our life. You know, food, clothing, transportation, housing, energy. And and in each case, it's traditionally thought of as a supply and demand situation. So, you know, what does it cost to make a product and what's the demand for it? And I think lately we have to add one more element, and that would be uh, transportation costs. So... Mm -hmm. You know, as we all know, transportation costs are up in almost every sector of our economy. Uh, The labor component is up in almost every sector of our economy in terms of the cost of labor. And materials are difficult to get a hold of. And so, you know, there's a premium for them when you get them.
3: Yep, Scarcity uh, increases the cost. Exactly. So how do energy costs impact inflation? Because for most folks driving around you gas up your car you know how much it costs you know that you see the signs when you drive down the street and you know that it costs more to fill up your tank now than it used to but that's not where inflation ends when it comes to fuel costs and so how does increased cost of fuel in of itself help drive inflation in all sectors of the economy
4: Right, so um, as we all know, um, energy costs are up, and energy costs are very hard to predict. Uh, it's its own supply and demand world. How much is coming domestically? How much is coming from international sources, et cetera? And uh, energy costs ten in the summer months to run around seven percent of the household budget, and then you know in the winter months it would be a higher percentage. So it's a component of inflation. Uh, I saw some data the other day that they think uh, inflation as of the end of August was running around 4%, but that the increased cost of energy they projected by the end of the year could push it up a half a percent or more to an annualized rate between 4.7 and 5-ish. Now, uh, energy's not the only upward pressure on that, but that's been getting gotten a lot of attention lately as a major pressure for the increase in inflation coming between now and the end of the year.
3: And, and plus, I- any type of goods or products that we buy, the, the, they get to the store because some want, someone in a truck drove it there, someone in a train hauled it there, someone in a cargo plane flew it there, and so right. if energy costs go up. And that costs the retailers more to ship those products and, and goods, then at that point, they've got to pass those cost increases onto the consumer.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, back to when I mentioned, you know, energy, I mean, uh, inflation, supply, demand, and now we're adding transportation with like an asterisk. And energy costs, increasing energy costs, increased transportation costs.
3: Mm-hmm. Hey, we're talking to Dan Steven. He's the president of Central Bank in St. Louis. And uh, many folks listening this evening, Dan, may be retired. And many retirement accounts and pension plans invest in bonds. And since rising inflation, I'm not trying to get real wonkish here, but rising inflation you know, typically puts a downward pressure on bond prices. But through all of that process, the bottom line is how might this impact the value of retirement accounts with regard to uh, uh, the, the current cost and price of bonds?
4: Right. So the first issue you have to think about in this analysis is what percentage of my retirement assets do I have in fixed income securities, bonds and other fixed income securities? Because that portion is closely tied to interest rates. So by example, when you bought a bond earning 4% a while back, uh, you know, there was an expectation that that was a reasonable yield. For a while, when rates dropped to lower than that, you were looking very smart and feeling very good about it, and it was a better return than you could get. But as rates rise, it goes the other way. You're getting a sub-market return. So when the bond prices become 6%, your 4% bond is now less desirable So if you were to try to liquidate it, it would get a less than par value. So people need to think about what percentage of their retirement accounts are in fixed incomes and expect expect some pressure on them. Um, You know, so you could kind of talk yourself into, well, maybe I ought to reduce my exposure to those kind of investments. But the offset is equities are also high. So the multiple uh, value for projected earnings on equities right now, on average is running like 29 times future earnings. So a simple version of that would be if you expected a share of stock to earn $3, then it would sell for about $90 today. The average for that multiple you know, over normal times in the past would be closer to 16 times earnings. So that equity has been... Um, sort of pumped up by the market exuberance and people wanting stocks. And so you have to be careful, at least with the bond, you know your principal's is fairly safe, depending on what kind of bond you hold, of course, but a well-rated bond would be very safe. You don't, don't want to jump into the market when it's fairly high with that money and then discover that that was – uh, not the right place to go. Is that too long an answer to your question? No, ha,
3: no. but what I'm hearing you say is, is that it, when inflation is going up and your fixed-yield securities aren't looking so well, you really don't want to jump into the stock market, as you said, the equities market, because the equities market is rather overpriced uh, compared to historical averages. So there's kind of a quandary right now as to what to do with retirement investments
4: right exactly and i'm not telling you not to jump i'm just saying look before you jump uh, absolutely sure <laughs> actually understand that there's there's no such thing as a free lunch when when you're dealing with investments
3: not at all uh we're talking to dan steven he's the president of central bank in st louis and uh the real estate market has been truly the hottest in in recent memory so how right. how will rising interest rates impact the housing market And do you see the housing market cooling off between now and, say, spring of next year?
4: Right. So I think, you know, big factors at play, once again, is supply and demand. And so COVID created increased demand for housing of certain types. People were spending more time at home. They decided they needed an office at home. They decided that they, uh, You know, they were a little tired of their surroundings and there was a greener pasture and all that. So supply and demand was very high for, you know, I'm sorry, demand was high, supply was low as a result of the increased demand, and then the other factor is interest rates. So you know, that rate you get on your mortgage impacts your buying power significantly. So rates were low, and so that gave buyers more buying power, which allowed them to pay a premium for that property they wanted. So you know we'll have to see whether the COVID demand piece mm-hmm. uh, backs off a little over time as people return to their offices, and we'll have to see how rapidly interest rates rise. So uh, with inflation, the normal assumption would be that it'd be upward pressure on interest rates as well, and that will reduce buying power. So you know based on what we're hearing from the Fed and other sources, we think there's some upward pressure on rates. During the rest of this year and into 2022, and that should reduce the buying power of people through borrowed funds, and it should cool the housing market a little bit.
2: So the
3: bottom line is, next year it should be easier to buy a house than it is today.
4: Yeah, but but you know, like everything, the yin and the yang on this is, um, as rates go up, you're going to have to pay more to get mm-hmm. that mortgage. So if the rate if the house comes down 5% but your rate goes up, I don't know what the right multiple is. You have to watch where the where those two lines intersect.
3: Exactly. Hey, I appreciate you taking time with us this evening. Last question. Uh the end of the year is a natural time for folks to evaluate where they are economically and financially and possibly even reevaluate their retirement portfolio. And since 2022 will most likely be very different than uh, 2021. What should folks focus on now as they prepare for next year?
4: Well, the main thing I would focus on would be, uh, I already mentioned that the market's very strong as compared to where it traditionally should be. And um, you need to think about your horizon for needing distributions from that fund. So if you have a long horizon, let's say 10 or 20 years, you can um, kind of assume or reasonably expect that if the market comes down, there'll be time for it to rebound. If you're retiring in a year or two or three, you may want to look at how much you have in this really strong market. I know it feels great when it's going up, but it won't feel so great if it starts coming back down <laughs> and move some into something more reliable to hold its value.
3: Very good advice. Dan Steven, president of Central Bank in St. Louis. Hey, thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X.
4: All right, Brad. Thank you for including me.
3: Yeah, appreciate your insight. Uh, how are you yeah. thinking uh, these days about your finances? 314-436-7900. Call or text. Uh, let us know what you think about this at the end of the year. Also, I'm going to share with you my two absolute favorite stories of the, of the week, including litigation over pop tarts coming up next here at your service on camo x costs are going up all over the place out there welcome back to at your service here on camo x and uh, i'm glad we had a chance to talk to uh, to dan stephen president of central bank in st louis and uh he did a great job at breaking down where we are financially and where we're going and it's interesting I think I got about uh, six or seven texts here just on that topic during the break, and and one in particular says even the grocery bags at Aldi's has gone up from ten cents to thirteen cents in one week. So that's a yeah, that's a thirty percent increase in grocery bags in one week, and that shows you how much inflation is going up. You know, the inflation is something that we haven't really dealt with since the Jimmy Carter administration. Uh, you know that was so long ago. I actually had hair then, so that tells you how long ago that was. But uh, uh, but it, it, what's interesting is how, at least to me, is how pervasive inflation is. I mean, people like the idea of getting pay raises. I know that uh, I'm told some of my older friends are telling me that they're going to get going to get an increase in Social Security benefits, but it's only going to be 5.9 percent of an increase cost of living adjustment. And there's Social Security checks. But if prices are going up 10 or 15%, you're still losing money. So inflation is insidious. And, uh, and I hope that in the next year when we're not dealing with COVID like we still are, that we can get some of this inflation under control. Also, let's face it, government spending impacts inflation. And when you've got that federal money cannon that's being fired off at everyone, giving away money that we're borrowing from China because we don't have it, then at that point, that also fuels inflation. So uh, if we can rein some of that in next year, I know we'll be reining in federal spending in 2022 because uh, (laughs) Nancy Pelosi will not be the Speaker of the House after the 2022 election. I will promise you a BLT sandwich. That uh, Nancy Pelosi will not be the Speaker of the House uh, in 2023. Uh, listen, I love following stories uh, that involve litigation, but this is the this this is the best story that I have seen in a long time, and it's best because it's funny. But it also gives lawyers it, it, it's why lawyers have such a bad reputation let me ask you this question and then I'll talk about this story because what's in a Pop-Tart? What, what do you think is in a Pop-Tart? And actually I'm going to get Abby. Hey, Abby, why don't you turn on your mic? Have, have you ever, cause you're, you know, you're a lot younger than I am. Have you ever actually eaten a Pop-Tart?
0: Um, yeah, I have, <laughs> have. several times.
3: Okay. Cause you know, my, my daughters are about your age and they would cringe if I gave them a Pop-Tart. They would want some kind of a whole grain muffin with oat grass and goat's milk or some, you know, some kind of silliness. But you've actually had a Pop-Tart.
0: Yep, yep. S'mores are my favorite.
3: Okay, what kind? S'mores. Okay, good. All right. So you've actually had it. So when we talk about a Pop-Tart, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
3: Okay. Well, over the past year, there have been at least, according to my account, Three lawsuits have been filed against Kellogg Company because (laughs) they're alleging that there's not enough strawberries in strawberry Pop-Tarts, and so it constitutes fraud because they're advertising it as a strawberry Pop-Tart, when in reality it contains more pears and apples than strawberries. Now, you know, this kind of reminds me of the case years ago where the lady uh, got burned with coffee at McDonald's and and initially had an enormous verdict of like a million bucks and it was later reduced down to like 10 grand on appeal but but this is that kind of case because when you mention really come on you're suing Kellogg's because they don't have enough strawberries in their strawberry pop tarts it just makes lawyers look bad and and of course the lawsuits Two of the three lawsuits were filed in New York. And guess where the third lawsuit was filed? Hmm. Well, if you said Illinois, you win. <laughs> because Illinois, of course, is, has been a long time, has been known as the judicial hellhole of the United States. And this is why. Because people are filing lawsuits against, against Kellogg because there aren't enough strawberries in their Pop-Tarts. I mean that's just absurd. But the but the best I would say this takes the cake, but we're talking about Pop-Tarts, but the plaintiffs are asking for sit down 5 million dollars. 5 $5 million. Now how many Pop-Tarts could you buy with 5 million dollars? How what kind of damages did you sustain in order to justify asking for 5 million dollars and that's what they asked for in the complaint which is just frankly absurd uh it, it's preposterous uh, but any anytime we talk about pop tarts now I got to give a disclaimer here or someone's going to sue me over this so I'm gonna tell you right now and Abby write this down you can flag the flag the audio do not try this at home okay I am not encouraging you to do what I'm about to tell you but when I was a kid, I took a, pop, I took a Pop-Tart, and I took a toaster. My mom was going to throw out this toaster. And so I plugged it in, and I ran it out, and I put it on some concrete because I knew what was going to happen. But I took up this toaster, and I put the Pop-Tart in, and I put the toaster down. And then I used duct tape, and I duct taped it into the on position so that the toaster, you know how you push that little lever down, So the lever was permanently in the on position. So in other words, it never stopped cooking the Pop-Tart. And after about three or four cycles of toasting this Pop-Tart, the goo inside began to boil inside the pastry of the Pop-Tart. And once the strawberry goo began to boil it burst out of the Pop-Tart pastry and a stream of red goo goes about 5 feet high in the air over the duct-taped toaster. And and I it was it was as if it was a fruity volcano exploding in my backyard. And <laughs> And, of course, the toaster was trash. You couldn't use the toaster anymore. It had been duct taped in the odd position. That toaster wasn't going to cook anything from that point forward. But, yeah, that was called the Pop-Tart Volcano. And that was even before YouTube. You know, So I couldn't even like shoot a video of it and put it on TikTok. I would have gotten like 5 million views for that. On TikTok today, and instead it was nothing. I just enjoyed it. So it was probably one of my goofy friends was with me. I don't remember, but but yes, you could make a pop tart blowtorch uh, with with a toaster. Now let me again state: kids, do not try this at home. Okay, I, you can't try, you can't do this at home, kids, uh, because as a parent, uh, I would not let my kids do it because somebody's going to get burned. And then they're going to sue me for $5 million. So I've given all of the disclaimers that I need to give to make sure that you don't try this at home. But I can tell you, you can have a lot of fun with (laughs) Pop-Tarts. It doesn't matter whether there's any strawberries in them or not because it makes the same color goo. It doesn't matter if it's pears or apples. It's still a red goo that's shooting up five feet above your toaster. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> so oh, we're coming up here on the clock here and i see some folks are calling in if you'd like to give us a call here in the last segment love to hear from you 314-436-7900 when we come back if we have time we'll talk about the uh, gun rights case at the supreme court today stick around don't go away let's be careful with those pop tarts out there they, they they can be pretty dangerous uh, thanks for sticking around here with us here at your service on our last segment. Hey, David, you've been holding through the break. Welcome to Camel Wax.
2: Uh Yes, I was going to mention on that McDonald's lawsuit, that's kind of unfairly mischaracterized. Uh, but a lot of that lawsuit was because the uh, franchisee was taking the coffee maker and removing a limiting switch so the coffee would be heated higher than the manufacturer of the coffee pot of the coffee maker had uh, recommended and even put a limiting switch to keep it from going any hotter and uh, so that that's that's why that lawsuit had a lot of merit uh on that it you know it got unfairly characterized as kind of a joke lawsuit but uh, and you know, it, it, I think it finally settled. There were actually court awards down to six hundred forty thousand dollars, but it was settled out of court. to Go ahead and get the money to keep it from just being appealed longer mm-hmm. and longer, so that the you know plaintiff would actually get the money. Yeah, the,
3: yeah. That 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 case was called Liebeck versus McDonald's, and. ABC News at the time called the case, and I'm quoting here, the poster child of excessive lawsuits, unquote. So, yeah, I understand that there was some, maybe some uh, uh, limits that were on this coffee machine that were removed or altered by the McDonald's franchisee in order to make their coffee hotter. It was just a classic example of excessive lawsuits. And I'm not trying to trivialize whatever burns yeah. that this lady received. What I am saying is, is that in the in the in the legal industry, it's known as that poster child for excessive litigation. And uh, and I think though that that uh, exploding pop tarts should be should replace the burning coffee because I I think exploding pop tarts are a lot more fun. I think so too. <laughs> and
2: and you know, obviously, if you look at any kind of juices or Supposedly real fruit-flavored products Most of them have a lot of cherry in them And Mm -hmm. other, like, apple juices Have a lot of real cherry juice That's flavored apple and things like that So if you start looking at it You know, this is a lot more common uh, And the ingredients If they're labeled properly On the uh, ingredients of the, uh, you know On the label of the package Then you could have known what she was buying
3: Oh, I'm sorry, we just we just lost you. Sorry about that. Hey, I wanted to go to Bill, though, in the time we have left. Hey, Bill, welcome to CamoX.
5: Thank you very much for taking my call. I have a family member who's going through a modification for a divorce, and it's been going on for like nine months, nine-plus months now. And the judge, who does a judge report? you know it, it seems like the judge is not doing their part their part in being an impartial mm-hmm. with the the two parties
3: well l- l- let me kind of briefly explain that to you bill missouri has something it's actually copied in many many states across the country it's literally called the missouri plan and in the Missouri plan, it's a, it's, it involves not only how judges are chosen, but how judges are retained. Because, for example, over in Illinois, judges actually run for office. They have to have a campaign. They raise money. They run for office, which I think is just absurd. But in Missouri, once a judge is appointed and becomes a judge, then I believe it's every three or four years, those judges have to run for retention. And so, at that point, at that point, individuals have the ability to say no. They can go to the ballot box and say, "Judge Smith, Judge Jones." And of course, I'm just using that term euphemistically. Yeah,
5: I, yes, but, I understand but, that. But
3: that particular judge, whoever it is, they can be voted out of office if they aren't if they aren't retained. And so, it's very difficult to do, Bill. I will give you that. It's very difficult to get a judge voted out. Uh, in terms of of their retention, but that is the system that's currently in place in Missouri.
5: So so there's really nothing that could be done. I I mean, my brother went in and, you know, he's got, from what I gather, he's got like concrete evidence, you know, of stuff that his ex-wife is doing yeah,
3: well, I, I don't want to get into those details, Bill, but I will tell you this. If there's evidence of any wrongdoing by the judge, there can be a bar complaint filed with the Missouri Bar Association. So I would just encourage your uh, situation here. I think you said it was your brother or your brother-in-law uh, to, if there's any evidence of wrongdoing by the judge, they can just contact the uh, the Missouri Bar. and uh, And otherwise, the only other option is the retention system. Hope that helps.
5: Okay, thank you very much for your time.
3: Bill, my pleasure. Thanks for calling in. Uh, we, in the time we've got left, i got to tell you the other cool story of the week. You, may, you know what the the mast ships look like, like in Pirates of the Caribbean? And, and, uh, and we've got to uh, 5550, right, Abby? The, the, the three masted ships like you see in Pirates of the Caribbean, the Ecuadorian Navy, has one of those ships. So imagine these big sails and there's guys up in the crow's nest and they're sailing this ship that's wind-powered. They actually arrested a drug dealer who was driving a narco submarine. So they they chased him down with a three-masted ship and arrested a drug dealer this past week was who was uh in the process of hauling heroin to the united states now what kind of a goober drug dealer in a narco submarine gets arrested by a dude in a sailing ship i'm thinking that his days of running uh, uh heroin and cocaine for the cartels has officially ended and so has our evening. Brad Young in with you this evening on At Your Service. I'll be filling in for Mark Reardon this Friday from noon, or from three until six. And we've got Dave Glover coming up next on KMOX.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and
1: four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with
0: eligible trade-in when you switch. <laughs>